Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Mark that with a piece of paper. And turn to Romans chapter 8. 1 John chapter 5. Mark that, please. We'll be there in a minute. Romans chapter 8. For the last eight weeks, we have been looking at the measure of a church. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, we discovered that the church is the household of God. That we are the church, the assembled ones of the living God. And God has given to us the responsibility to be the pillar and buttress of truth. When we look into God's Word, we discover truth for our lives. Everything around us may be crumbling, everything around us may be confusing, but God's Word gives us truth. Paul, as he was writing to the churches that he ministered to, reminded them of what they needed to be effective in their ministry. In fact, to the church at Corinth, to the church at Thessalonica, to the church at Ephesus, and to the church at the Colossae, he tells them the same thing. And the three key qualities that Paul helps them understand so that they can be a healthy and productive and Christ-like church are qualities that we are studying. Do you remember what they are? This is a test. Faith, hope, and love. Now let me remind you about faith. Faith is this, confidence and trust that a Christ-like body has in Christ who is the head. Aren't you thankful that we have a living faith? Aren't you thankful that we have a secure faith? Aren't you thankful that we have a confident faith because that faith is based in Jesus Christ who is the head of the church, the Savior of the body, the living Word. We are currently talking about hope. And hope can be defined this way. Doctrinal insight and stability in respect to our present and future relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Hope is not just for eternity. Hope is for now. Hope is stability because we know the truth and we are held up by that truth. Remember the pillar and buttress of truth? And it is that upon which we can build our lives. Pastor Spencer, this morning in his prayer, prayed that in a number of ways this has been a difficult week. My week started last Sunday. Uh, by the way, you do know that Sunday is the first day of the week, don't you? I mean, it's the day of resurrection. It's the day that they went to the cemetery and discovered that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Amen? That's why we worship on Sunday. Because we worship to celebrate the truth that Jesus Christ is alive. 
Sunday was a busy, busy day in my life. I had a lot of things going. The afternoon was spent in making calls and ministering to people and sharing in lives and then, then back for choir practice, always back for choir practice, Eunice. Monday I came into the church and pretty quickly Monday morning I got a phone call. The phone call was from Farley Estes Dowden Funeral Home. They called my cell phone because that's the number they have, and I, I have an identification on the cell phone, and I looked at the cell phone number, and it identified the institution. I thought, this isn't good. And they were calling to ask if I would do a memorial service because the Saturday morning before, a young man had been confronted by law enforcement and lost his life. And they asked if I would do that service. Tough week in a lot of ways. Later on in the week, we heard that another young man, and by the way, when you get to be my age, they're all young. A dear friend over in Rochester had been found dead by his wife in their five-year-old little girl. Connie went to that service yesterday. Life's tough. I'm on the board at Baptist Admissions, and I receive missionary letters from the mission family at Baptist Admissions, and I picked these three up this morning. One was from Bill and Becky Bass, who serve in Peru. You will not know them. Faithful missionaries, been serving in Peru for three terms now. Serve in the high-altitude jungles of Peru, and Bill has just been diagnosed with a very severe alcohol, alcohol altitude sickness that affects his heart, and they're going to have to change ministries. One was from the McNamaras, Roger and Rosemary. Rosemary's been struggling with cancer. And in his letter, Roger writes, right now we have the cancer locked in its cage, but it is still there pulsating, trying to mutate so it can escape and again ravage her body. Wow. The other letter I received was from the Duncans, Jim and Bethany, new missionaries, appointees, still trying to raise support. And Jim writes this. On a more personal level, I have recently found myself somewhat discouraged regarding our deputation partnership development process. Yesterday, in particular, was very difficult for various reasons. Yet, I've been reminded of a few things recently. While we were in Michigan, a pastor spoke of the lengthy deputation process as a time that builds godly character and perseverance for Christ's sakes. 
Also, just today, I had the opportunity to meet with three seasoned brothers in Christ who, through our conversation, unknowingly encouraged me to keep going. One of these brothers concluded our time with this statement. If you look inward, all you will see is despair. If you look outward, all you will see is disappointment. But if you look upward, there you will see hope. Stability. For now and the future. After I received my phone call on Monday, I was given some phone numbers to be able to contact the family. I used one of those phone numbers and called the dad. By the way, the dad and mom were married here at Calvary Baptist. The young man, 46 years old, attended Awana here. So I called the dad. His name's Jim. We talked a little bit. You always want to have an answer for somebody, don't you? And all I could tell Jim was, Jim, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't understand why you're dealing with it. I don't know what went wrong. I don't know. And as God started to use that in my life this week, from the I don't know, I went to, okay, God, what do I know? What kind of hope do I have? What kind of stability can I depend upon to meet my And so this morning we want to look at, what do you know when you just don't know? And it's in Romans chapter 8, and it's a familiar verse of Scripture. And I want you to look at it here on the screen, because we're going to read it together. It's Romans 8, 28. And when life just turns upside down, and we've all been there, what do we know when we just don't know? Can we read it together here? Here we go. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. What do you know when you just don't know? Yeah, but sometimes that's tough to know. So what do you no. And I think that's important for us to look at this morning. Underline in your Bibles now three words. And we know. Say those three words with me, will you please? And we know. One more time. And we know. No. This morning I want to share with you three truths that we know. 
The first truth is this. We know that there is a certainty, a certainty for our security. I think it's interesting what the Bible tells us about what we know. Are you in 1 John chapter 5 now, please? 1 John chapter 5. Because five times in this chapter, John says we know something. Look with me at verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. That's a good thing to know, isn't it? Isn't it good to know that you're a child of God? And we know that because we love God and obey His commandments. Jump down to verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself, and whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he is not believing in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have I write, have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son, that ye may know that you have eternal life. How do you know you have eternal life? Because you believe in the name of the Son of God. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I was so thankful that the family asked me to present the plan of salvation at the funeral. You know, funerals are great things for this reason. They remind all of us that life is temporary. You cannot, you should not, you must not <laughs> go to a funeral without recognizing how temporary life is. And here's a 50, I'm sorry, a 46-year-old man who discovered how temporary life was. And I shared with them how they can know the permanence of eternal life. We're all sinners. Christ died for our sins. God loved the world that he gave, that whosoever believeth in his Son has everlasting life. I spent a little more time on that yesterday. But isn't that great to know that? Aren't you thankful you can know you have eternal life? Look with me at verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we desire that we are asking of him. Aren't you thankful for prayer? Do you know the power of answered prayer? Does prayer work? I wonder in our lives, if God quit answering prayer, how long would it take us to figure it out? John says, we know. We know he answers prayer because he hears our prayers. 
And we know that he cares about hearing our prayers. Now, God may not answer your prayers the way you want him to. But we know that all things work together for good. Are you still there? Look with me at verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning because he who is born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. Think about that. That old thing, the devil made me do it, is a lie from the pit of hell. I don't think I meant to say it quite that strongly. But it's true. Why? Because the Spirit of God indwells us. Verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. We know it. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. We know it. How free are you? Scripture says, if the Son shall set you free, you'll be free indeed. Amen? And we know. And we know. That there is a sovereign God who works in our lives to complete his good work. When you don't know what you don't know, know there's a sovereign God. The heavens declare the glory of God, right? We know. John knew. We know. But not only do we know that there is a sovereign God, we also know that God has given to you and to me an eternal salvation. Connie was a member of the Free Will Baptist Church. And in the Free Will Baptist Church, they believe you can lose your salvation. Comes as your free will, you can leave it in your free will. Connie's mom struggled with that for years. When Connie and I started dating, she started coming to church I went to, Grace Baptist Church, and discovered that nothing would ever separate her from the love of God because that love was found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Now I need to tell you, Connie changed denominations. She kept her free will. But when we don't know what we don't know, we do know that we have eternal life. 
Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10? And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. If you struggle with that, think about it in this term. When we receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior, we are born again into the family of God. Amen? I have three kids. Connie born them all. For the last two, I was there in the birthing room. For the first one, that was just when they were letting guys come into the birthing room. And I got to go in right after our oldest, Jill, was born. But I didn't get to see the process. Now, I need to tell you that in times in our lives, there have been opportunities that I wondered whether or not they were our kids. Not because they weren't birthed by us, but just because of the way they acted, you know? And, and, and usually it was when somebody was taking care of them and we'd go to that home and they'd say they were perfect. I looked at my kids, who are you? My kids were never perfect. I was never perfect. But no matter how they acted, I realized that I could not unborn them. Aren't you thankful that when you've been born again in the family of God, you can't be unborn? Isn't that great? This is the eternal salvation that God has given to us, eternal life. Now back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look with me, beginning with verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? How about distress? How about persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I am sure, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present 
nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Woo! I know. I know I have an eternal salvation. Never lose that confidence. I know. And I know that God, in a very special way, gives us certainty in our security. Because what do we know? We know that all things work together for good, right? And in every situation we face in life, we know God is in control. Aren't you thankful there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful? Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to handle it? Aren't you thankful that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? Aren't you thankful that our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Aren't you thankful that if we seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, everything's going to be added unto us? Aren't you thankful that he numbers the hairs on our head? I mean you don't know about that one now it's easier for God for some of you than others but aren't you thankful and aren't you thankful that he takes note of the sparrow that falls and aren't you thankful that we're more valuable than sparrows no matter what your face I don't know what it is but we're all facing something and we know that we have security in the situations we face in life because God knows. And we know. But not only do we have certainty in our security, we also have the comfort of the Spirit. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I'm going to leave you. He'd been telling his guys that for three years. And you'd think the third time he said it, they'd think he was serious. But he said, even though I'm going to leave you, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I am going to send a paraclete, somebody to come alongside you. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't know him. But you know him. For he shall be in you and he shall be with you. Paul says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Whom we have of God because we've been bought with a price. And that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. Whom the world can't read. But he shall be in you. Now in Romans chapter 8. 
Paul deals with the Spirit. And if I counted properly, he mentions the Spirit 19 times before he gets to verse 28. May I just point out a few of them to you? Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life, think about that, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of death and sin. The end of verse 4, the law might be fulfilled in us not to walk according to the flesh, but to walk according to the Spirit. Verse 5, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit Verse 6, the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Do you get the idea? Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. And again and again, Paul talks about the Spirit of God working in our lives. In fact, in this passage of Scripture, Paul recognizes that there are times in our lives when we don't know anything. Look at verse 26, will you please? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Ever been there? I don't know, Lord. I just don't know. Paul goes on. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart, verse 27, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the, it, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And between you and me, that's all I want is God's will in my life. Because God is good. And all the time. And if that's true, then all I want is God's will and God's goodness and God's blessing and God's leadership and God's direction and God's plan and God's purpose. That's all I want. And when I don't know how to pray and when I get in those situations and when I have to deal with families and when people drag me into their worlds. By the way, I like my world. Say, well, you live in a fantasy world. Yeah, it's pleasant there. This morning I got up and my thermometer said 18 degrees. My world was 85 and sunny. When I get drugged in other people's worlds, I am so thankful that the Spirit prays according to the will of God when I don't even have a clue. Do not discount the work of the Spirit in our lives because we know. And it is indeed the Spirit of God 
makes all the difference. Jesus sent him as our helper to teach us all things, to bear witness about who Jesus Christ was, to guide and direct us into all truth. And on the day of the ascension of Christ, they were told, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he came and dwells in us. Good stuff. Now back to verse 28. Now if you have a King James Bible, it says, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. If you have an ESV Bible, it says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And if you have a nearly inspired version, that's NIV, I'm not sure how it puts it. But I do know this, that we know that all things work together for good. That's not each individual event. That's not every detail, although I believe that God is involved in the details. Because sometimes it's the details that are bringing it all together for good. But know for a fact that all things work together for good. And that's the conclusion of the saints. Right? And we know that God's got it. And we know that we can trust God. There's a verse, Old Testament verse, that has become more real to me. You know it. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You could quote it with me, but let me quote it for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I blended King James and ESV together. It's that second phrase that I'm learning to be more and more true. The phrase, and lean not unto your owners. You know, the older I get, the less I understand. I thought by now I'd know it all. But the older I get, the, the, the less I get it. And yet I recognize that God gets it. And if I trust in him with all my heart, if I acknowledge him in all my ways, he'll handle it. Some of you are living in situations where you just don't get it because there's no way to get it. And I'm not going to name names this morning, but you know who you are. It's everybody in here. But God. 
God's got it. God's got it. Now, in our text, and we'll look at this next week, there is a caveat. Did you pick that up? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. The caveat is twofold. Those who love God. And those who recognize God's purpose in their life. Next week, I'm going to tell you how to know God's plan for your life. Finally. <laughs> that was said by somebody over 50. <laughs> no, she wasn't. But, or she isn't. But what do you know when you don't know? You know, God is in control, no matter what. And you know that God is faithful.